Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Now presented by Manscaped. We appreciate all of you listening. Um, I'm Amanda, and I'm joined, as always, by my obstreperous co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. That's a good one. I was proud of that one. Anyway... (laughs) You guys have no reaction to that. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter. And you can find us there at Half Street High Heat. And you can get all the latest news and announcements and funny tweets there. And don't forget to check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com, which we update daily with all kinds of great stuff, outtakes from the podcast, great articles, and lots more. And how are you guys doing? How was your you, weekend? You What's 100% new? made up that word. You were I, like, was, I did not. I was just about saying that. You were like, uh, I just had to rem- remember how to say it. No, you were like, you're like, oh, my son has strep throat. You're like, uh, stretchers. <laughs> we'll say the last, the, the best thing maybe about this whole pandemic is how not sick any of my children have been for like over a year now. Nobody gets sick anymore. Everybody wears masks and they don't go very many places. So no illness, but obstreperous. 
which you means know, resisting being controlled, unruly, noisy, or clamorous, hour. or boisterous. Fight I think the it Join the fist. It applies to you. Guys. Um, but you know, like, um, what, I guess like a singing show where they forget the lyrics and they kind of just go, nah, 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 like that. That's kinda, that yeah, that's kind of like what your <laughs> word was. You're like, uh, obstreperous. And now you're yeah. just kind of, you know, feeding into it, hoping we don't look it up. All right. Well, if you look it up or any of you listening, look it up. You make sure you tweet at Nick and Ryan. Tell them they're wrong. What doesn't happen. So they need they need more of that in their lives to be told when they're wrong. Anyways, let's talk about our quick pitch. Speaking of being wrong, <laughs> our quick pitch tonight is how do we fix the umpire problem? They have been absolutely yeah. dreadful all across baseball for this first month of the season. It's just unreal. It's like this may be the worst umpiring I've ever seen. I like I usually like to give umpiring the benefit of the doubt and mm-hmm. not complain about just because one it's a hard thing to do and a lot of it is judgment calls but i'm seeing some of the stuff and i'm just sitting here scratching my head like what the hell are you doing like the double play in the mets phillies game andrew mccutcheon ran in a straight line and they said like he was out of the base path um they got the home run call last night but you know the phillies had to play at the play versus the braves there's a lot of calls like this and it's just getting out of hand and a lot of people are saying is how do you fix the umpire problem and to me they just like you need to start holding them accountable and it's tough because they have a union and congratulations to the umpires for having a union we all should have unions that's a whole separate conversation it's tough but when you look at the kbo if you miss three calls in the kbo you get demoted and they send you to like their version of the minors and everything and you have to work it and they like they grade them and everything but like I think umpires need to start answering questions to the media. They need to be held accountable in the same way that players, coaches, GMs, all these other people are when they make mistakes. They're acting like people who have too much power because they're not held accountable. There needs to be something there. Have them talk to the media. Have them lose a big game. Have them not get one bonus for messing up too much. Some type of incentive so these people's egos go to the side and they realize that 15,000 people now in 2021 aren't coming to this game to see you. They're coming to this game to see freaking Tatis Jr., Otani, Bryce Harper, all these guys, not you stupid umpires. I think another way to accomplish that, um, it might be hard to, I don't know exactly what the, uh, you know, the umpire union or association or whatever, what they can block or, or, you know, prevent the MLB from, from enforcing. But I think one way to do you know, accomplish the same goal is to incentivize, you know, making good calls. You know, if there's, uh, I'm sure there's an umpire grading system out there for our, our uh, umpires and not just KBO or whatever, however KBO does it. And, you know, if you're above a certain grade, you know, for a month you get a bonus, a year you get a bonus, or maybe even promotion, you're eligible to become crew chief, whatever. Whatever it may be, you can definitely incentivize it to the point where, you know, people or specifically umpires will, will start trying better and, you know, maybe studying their own tape rather than just like Ryan said, making it all about them. And it's like their way. Oh, you pissed me off. I'm going to call a strike on you. Make it so that they're less likely to do that, whether it's by holding them accountable or incentivizing, Hey, I can't really afford to, you know, uh, 
retaliate against this player for pissing me off because I am working towards a promotion or, you know, a bonus or whatever. I think think you could do both. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe both both would be great, but uh, I just don't know what the umpire association would, like I said, block. Yeah. It's an interesting question about how that union, like how the agreement is set up with the league and what would it take to change it? Because it needs to be changed. I think robot umps are the easy answer here, but that only, that only affects balls and strikes. And there's a lot more to this problem than just balls and strikes, although that's a big part of it. But I think that the first thing they ought to do is, is go to the robot umps and for the call, the ball and strike calls and start there. And then they do need to have some sort I love that KBO program where basically you screw up enough and you get demoted, which is what happens to players. It's what happens to everybody in every job. You lose your job if you screw up all the time. And I think the idea of if you screw up enough, you get demoted. And if you're good enough, you get the bonuses and the better, you know, you get to be the crew chief or you get to do the playoff games or whatever the incentives could be. I think there could be a hybrid of incentives and disincentives, but I think the the easy place to start is go to the robot umps because that would eliminate a lot of these bad ball ball and strike calls. And then some of the other stuff like was he safe or was he out, you know, that's not as easy to to automate. And it seems like even with replay, they they don't get it right. And that's the other thing. We're not just talking about umps, even things that go to replay and are clearly called incorrectly on the field or being upheld on replay. So I don't know what the answer is, but it, it, I can't tell you. I, I could probably think of five to ten times already just a month or so into this very young season where I've seen stuff go to New York and then come back and you're like, how in the hell did they uphold that call or how did they not overturn that? Or I don't know. The whole system just seems to be really screwed up right now. Yeah, like I've been watching, usually while we record, I throw on a game in the background. I've been watching the Rays, Angels, and uh, I've only been watching for half an inning and there was... I just looked it up because I had to know who it was. It's Adrian Johnson's behind the plate, and he's missed several strike calls. He's not calling ball strikes. He's just missing strike calls. And that's already so, in one half inning. That you right. Imagine. So, I mean, I, I do see the, you know, the pros of a, of a, you know, robot umpire, so to speak, at least for the strike zone. Uh, one being the strike zone is standardized, like whether you're Jose Altuve or Aaron Judge. You know, the strike zone is the strike zone, which, you know, can eliminate. I love the, the judgment aspect of it. I, I, you know, I don't want to go to completely to, to robot umpires, even if I don't think that's possible. But I, I like the, the judgment call. But it is pretty frustrating to see baseball's lack of, um, you know, willingness to go utilize replay i mean look at the nfl nfl is probably the hardest uh officiating job just because of all the moving pieces even though they do have more officials than you know a four-man crew in baseball but they use replay to their advantage if they need to they'll go to replay or there's a challenge if you know the uh, coach doesn't like the call which there is in baseball but it seems like Nobody wants to go to replay because they're they're pushing this oh speed up the game initiative so they're not even using replay. And then they spend which five minutes friend. on every replay, which is so yeah. stupid. Like and it goes to New York and they take five minutes. Yeah, NBA is also per- a great example because the refs go to the booth to to look at a call all the time and make sure they get it right. Why not? You know why not baseball use that more? That yes, they do have it in place, but again, they're they're pushing this speed up the game initiative that it's so frowned upon if you use it and 
and all this stuff. It just it's so silly to me that this is even a thing. You, why not try to Im, improve and get better? Yeah, and I get it, and I like the judgment call of it too. And there's something, there's really something very old school baseball about like having to know each umpire's strike zone that night and work to it, and the the catcher, you know, pulling up the mitt enough, enough to try to get a strike. Like all of that is cool, and I love it. But it's gotten to the point where it's just too egregious. You have the technology now, and that strike zone box is up on the screen. Everybody knows when he's missed a call. I just don't think it's tenable. I think you can't keep just having. You just can't keep having bad calls all the time when everyone knows they're a bad call, and and you have the and you have the ability to fix it. You know what I mean? To Ryan's point, though, I mean, being a home plate umpire specifically is really, really freaking hard. Especially sure, with and they don't have to do it though. They they have the technology to have it be automated. Yeah, was, I mean, I get that, but just with how crazy these pitchers are and some of the, the pitches we see, you know. I'm I'm just worried that I'm sure they they can have plenty of uh, time to to figure out the uh, sensitivity of of a robot strike zone, but like the high curveball is a perfect example. I mean, technically, you know, if it if it breaks at his chest, it's not a strike by the time it crosses the plate. But if it drops in to the catcher's you know mask, is that a strike for the robot umpire? Even though it's not really a strike, it, it's stuff like that that I worry about, but we're probably a ways away before we see it uh, ever in effect in, in an MLB game, if we do it all. And, you know, another question I have is, remember when they first started doing the, the, the replay and it was like that the manager had one challenge and after that they couldn't challenge another call? I don't and, even know what it is at this point. Like, is there, I think, is it still the same rule and just nobody cares? They just, the managers call for replay all the time and they just do it? It's just funny to me that they're so concerned with length of game. As, and pace of play and all this, and then you introduce replay, and now basically it's used in an unlimited fashion, and it makes the games longer. It's just so stupid. I mean, they could do it NFL-wise, where like the anything under two minutes in an NFL game is goes to the, the booth. Maybe anything. So would you in do the, like anything in the last like two innings yeah, or something? Two innings, three innings, whatever goes to the booth, and you have one or two challenges before that. I mean, that way you're not going to the booth every five seconds. But you're still able to fix a, a, an agreed. Right, but then, if if you don't have any challenges, oh, to use the NFL terminology, left, then the you know you just they just call out to the umpires, and then the umpires call it an umpire review. It's just stupid. Well, that's why you fix it. You go NFL once you're out of challenges, you're out of challenges. But if you win a challenge, then you get it back. Yeah, they could do something like that. They could. They could. All right, let's move on. Uh, Ryan, can you give us our week in review? I sure can. And one last note, you remember a couple years ago in the NFL where they were like, maybe the referees are too old and too slow for football. Maybe these guys are too old to keep up with baseball. Too. But moving on to the week review, it is May. Um, with April behind us, we take a look at some of the things that stand out. In April, there were 1,100 more strikeouts than hits, and there were just 7.3 hits per game per team. That was the lowest in MLB history. There's on pace to have 1,400 less doubles and 2,200 less singles than there were in 2019. Um, patience is running thin within the White Sox clubhouse regarding Tony La Russa's club managerial decisions. Mike Trout has the third highest improvement in OPS from last season, which is kind of awesome when you consider the fact that his OPS was 993 last season. 
His OPS is 300 points higher than it was last year. The Royals in their May with the best win percentage in baseball, and the Tigers have the worst. Injuries run rampant as there are 236 players on the IL right now, 20 more than there were at this time in 2019. Luis Robert is out 12 to 16 weeks. Dustin May needs Tommy John, and his season is over. The Dodgers' injuries continue to mount, and they are currently in the middle of a 4-13 and 13 stretch. To the NL East, in last are the 11-16 and 16 Marlins. They got swept by the Nats, and they're up next with a trip with the Diamondbacks. In fourth are the 12-16 and 16 Braves. They got swept by the Blue Jays and have the Nats next. In third place are the 14-15 and 15 Phillies, who once again had two controversial umpire calls on their way to losing two or three games against the Mets. Up next are the Brewers, where they currently lead 5-2-4. In tie for first for the moment are the 11-11 and 11 Mets, who have the best team ERA in baseball, and they also have the least amount of runs scored in baseball. They did go off for eight runs um, against the Phillies and they credited a very special person who may or may not be real and who may or most definitely is alcohol named Donnie. And first are the 12 and 12 Nationals. God bless the NL East. More on the Nats in a second. This week in review has been brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. Cinco de Mayo is this week and stop by Chili's to celebrate. Enjoy a nice draft beer, a ice cold Presidente Margarita, or a delicious tequila trifecta marg, all for just $5. Chili's, food for everyone, family friendly, and always a good time. This has been your week in review. The, uh, the Tony La Russa thing is the least surprising news. I've ever heard in my life. Oh, it's absolutely hilarious. I mean, l- even us with no hey, connection to the White Sox. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry about that, boys. I had to go AFK there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Uh, I died. <laughs> I <didn't> apologize. <laughs> oh man! Uh, All right. E- e- uh, e- back e- to Tony oh. Larusa. <laughs> I was going to say, even us who have no connection to the White Sox other than uh, despising Adam Eaton and missing Lucas Giolito could see from the moment they hired him that it was a terrible, terrible decision, especially for that culture of uh, a ball club with a bunch of young studs that are flashy. I mean, Tim Anderson's known for his bat flips, and you're going to bring in Tony La Russa. Yeah, everyone expected that to go swimmingly. Um, With Mike Trout, we said this a couple weeks ago, don't. Stop comparing people to Mike Trout. It's just not fair. Nobody to the is person. Mike Trout. It's just- <laughs> uh, you can combine Victor Robles's and Starlin Castro's OPS, and Mike Trout still has a higher OPS than those two combined. Um, I just chose those two because they're starters for a so-called contender. Um, but I had a third thing, but the the AFK thing <laughs> threw me just off. I, derailed I la- everything. I was laughing at that. Hey, look, I was the last one alive. All right, I had to apologize. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta you gotta apologize when you do something wrong. You just got to. Well, the Chili's thing at the end. I'm gonna have to take uh, my son who turned 21 on Saturday, which is pretty exciting. So I have to go out for a margarita. Hey, my my dad's birthday was this past Saturday. Boogie woogie woogie. Yeah. um, May Day babies. Amanda did not wish me happy birthday. I want that record to be shown. Was I the first? Um, you were the second. Oh, no. Weren't in the first one in there. So, yeah. Sorry about that. I suck. Happy belated birthday. And, uh, I reject it. You reject <laughs> it. All right. Well, then. then screw for you and your birthday. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't think you told me happy birthday last year either. So I or did. even did you? I did. We all did. Yeah, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure I did, and I'm ninety five percent sure that. Ryan did. I think you're making up numbers right now. No, those are real numbers. I'm not like you are. <laughs> I just make stuff up. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. Well, speaking of numbers. There's a number of the Nats are in. Let's get to our Nats bat segment, which is first place. Uh, oh, how the turntables. First place. Um, <laughs> I mean, this happened like in a week. The entire NL East just flip-flopped. It's bizarre. So this is, this is the funniest thing of all time because, one, God bless the NL East, the worst division in baseball. Um, the Nats are in first place at 12 and 12. That is the eighth best record in the National League, and that's the 20th best record in baseball, but it's good enough for first place, baby. And it's just, it's funny, you know, it's, it's interesting to see what playing the worst team in baseball, and honestly, beating them very handily, like this was a really good series for the Nationals, and I'm going to pat myself on the back because I said this was the week they go 4-1 four four and one. at 500, and they went 4-1 and one and went 500. This was the week they had had to take advantage of. When you saw that the Blue Jays were using the opener, when you saw you had the Marlins coming up, you knew this was the week they had to. There was no excuses not to sweep this Marlins team, and they did. And they looked really good doing it, honestly. The pitching was absolutely fantastic. Um, the offense was a little sluggish on the game on Friday, but that's Nats. We've talked about that whole. And they're in Yeah, plus, I can confirm it was a little chilly on Friday. It was, it, was a wee, it was a wee bit cold. Um, but, yeah, they're in first place. There's still a lot of work to do. This is a good time to get yourself a little bit of a cushion. You know, people are talking about, look what the Nats are going through. The rest of the least going through a lot. Also, the Braves have 17 players on the IL. Um, the Phillies That's are held. 17? 17 players on the IL right now. Um, the Phillies are held back by Joe Girardi, very much so. They also have all their issues. Um, the Mets, their offense can't figure it out. Eventually, they're going to get healthy, and this division is going to get better. Yeah, the Nats are going through a lot right now as well, but take advantage of the rest of the division being a dumpster fire, and please build yourself a nice cushion before everyone else gets healthy. I beg. I beg. Yeah, mm -hmm. you did call it, but it's funny. The one game they lost was that opener game against I know. Toronto. I was just going to say that. But, you saw they had an opener, and you thought, oh, here's our opportunity, but no. That was also, you know, the, the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. game, so hard yeah. to you know overcome that um absolutely something that needed to happen uh we talked about it last week and you know i it, it's certainly nice that they're in first place this isn't a series or a stretch where you you know pound your chest and say we've arrived don't get me wrong it's a great thing i, I i'm happy we won these games this is this was a get right series and stretch this wasn't you know we're here. We've arrived. Not asserting know, dominance or anything. <laughs> right. The way you, uh, you do that, you know, you, you assert your dominance and you do you say, this is our division and we're going to take hold of it is like Ryan said, coming up, you know, we play the Braves next, which we'll preview in a little bit. You know, you have a very tough stretch of baseball, you know, through May, build yourself a cushion. Say, you know, this is our division. Someone's going to have to take it from us or, you know, we're just, gonna waltz our way in the division whether we're the best team in baseball or the 20th best team in baseball you know according to record this is our division and you know 
19 and 31 is one of the worst things to happen to this team because everyone's thinking, oh, you know, if we get down, we can come back, which isn't wrong, but it doesn't mean it's a game plan either. It's not a strategy. You don't want to fall so far behind that you know, your your highest hope is a wild card game. Because remember, two years ago, yes, we won the World Series, but we were only a wild card team. We very easily could have missed the playoffs. Yeah. So if Chris and Yelich were in right field that night, we probably didn't. Yeah, that game. too. So you know, you don't want to put yourself in a bad situation. Aim for the division and then settle for a wild card. Don't, you know, limit yourself to a wild card. Yeah. Yep. Well, before we get into the nuts and bolts of some of the performances we saw in this nice stretch for the Nats, let's talk about some of the weirdness that's going on with Masson and the broadcast team. Um, so Bob is out on what's you know been described as a planned absence. He has some kind of family thing going on, and uh, he's been out for a little while. But right in the middle of his absence, all of a sudden, FP fell off the face of the earth. Uh, nobody knows what's going on with him. Uh, Jesse Doherty wrote a piece in the Post today where he said, you know, he he talked to FP, who declined to comment and said, you can ask the Nationals. They can tell you what's going on. So he talked to the Nationals, and they said, talk to Masson. And then he talked to Masson, and they declined to comment. So a lot of something is up. Yeah, the situation is weird because the plan that, like, they said on air was it for to be Dan and FP. And all of a sudden, FP was out. And everyone's like, well, that's kind of weird. Um, FP's gone silent on social media, which again... It's really weird, because he never goes silent on yeah, social like media. Yeah, that's not him as well. And now the fact that they're both not talking, um, there's a lot of rumors on the internet, and I've heard some things from a source, um, but like again, it's not confirmed, so I'm not going to comment on it yet. Although, I feel like it's kind of kind of obvious what's going on between them. Um, it rhymes with shmoney. That's what it appears to look like from the, the contract outside. dispute. That's honestly what it sounds like. The fact that no one wants to talk about it. It's kind of what it looks like. Um, that was a rumor that was all over Twitter and Reddit. Don't again, don't know the validity of it, but that's kind of what Reddit and Twitter are running with. It's just weird because <laughs> the Nats threw in this guy on Friday, the game you were at Amanda. Yeah. It was a former player turned dentist, and he was literally like, no, that was a good play by Josh Bell. Um, if you look here, that was a really good pitch. That was right on the outside of the corner. Had no yeah, idea that was, was rough. Saying. He was the most boring person I've ever heard in my life. And then they went to Grant, and Grant's been in broadcast his entire life, so Grant was completely fine. But, like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I, I never thought I would say it, but they're not FP. Like, it's, it's yeah. weird. I felt the same way. Like, you know, FP is kind of, you know, he's kind of goofball in there sometimes. But, you know, there's something about the continuity and the familiarity of a broadcast team. And I think it's true of all sports, but especially with baseball because of the number of games and how often if you're if you're a really hardcore fan and you watch all the games, it's pretty much six months of the year you're listening to these guys. And when it's somebody else, it's jarring. And uh, I did think Grant Paulson did a good job. I thought he was fine. Um, you know, he obviously knows baseball. Um, I mean, I think the other guy who was in there Friday night was a former player, but um, Grant, you know, as you said, has a more of the broadcast background. And I thought he did fine, but it was jarring to have neither Bob nor FP on the broadcast. And it's just very odd how with Bob's absence, they played up, hey, you know, Dan Coco is going to be in the booth and, you know, Alex Chappell's coming back and they made this big deal about it. And with FP, it was just like all of a sudden. And if you heard Grant Paulson on his radio show today talk about how he got notified that they needed somebody, 
like it was obviously nothing planned. So it makes me wonder like what the hell's going on there that this just happened. He was, he was the backup to the backup because Pete Medhurst tweeted out Mm -hmm. that he had the prior commitment. So they probably asked him like the morning of like, Hey Grant, you're going on by the way. Right. So they probably asked Pete Medhurst who had, and he, that man's got like, you know, 50 jobs. So he probably, you know, he wasn't free. He said, and then I'm sure they went to Grant next, but yeah, it's weird. It's very, very strange. Definitely not something that was planned the way that Bob's hiatus was. Yeah. It's, so massive, and this is just one more so thing massive. to uh, <laughs> add to the laundry list of problems with the Nats' uh, longtime, you know, broadcast network. Um, you know, it, it is noticeable, and it's not that Bob and FP aren't professionals because you can very, very clearly tell the difference when they are in, are not in studio, as we've seen over the past week or so, however long it's been. And you can tell when people who aren't professionals are in there and, you know, they have no idea what they're doing. But the Nats could just use a better broadcast team altogether because Bob and FP, even though they are professional, aren't that great. So let's just ditch Masson altogether and move forward. And we can find new people that uh, we like hearing for six months out of the year. Well, I really do hope that all of this turmoil with Masson will lead to a situation where Masson just folds and... It's, it genuinely seems like that's what it's leading to. Because Doesn't I'm, it feel we, like that? We have a contract, what, through 2023, I think it is? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we're kind of stuck, but it, it genuinely seems like Masson's just folding. I don't even know. I don't know what's going on with the Orioles. I know they fired their, like, longtime, who was a Gary Palmer and, and whoever else was, did their games forever. And I don't even know who's doing their games now. So I don't know if they're going through the same situation the Nats are, if it's just the Nats end of, of Masson. I think it's both. surprise me, but it seems like Masson's kind of just, like, underwater. Yeah, it feels like they're falling apart. It really does, which to me would be a good thing. I think Masson's been dreadful. I mean, they're, they they don't update their graphics. They, the coverage isn't that good. They're all they're down to doing only 15 minutes of pregame. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. they, in postgame. I, I, I would love to see Masson just fail so that there's no choice but for the Nats to find a new broadcast partner, which, you know, I think the natural home would be NBC Sports Washington, but there's, I guess, they're going away as well. It's just the whole thing is a very strange sports landscape. I don't know if they're going away. I don't know. Ryan might know better than that. I, I think it was something like away. they were getting rid of their regional sports networks and rolling them into. But like that their... didn't. That wouldn't affect. No, they're the regional sports networks are staying. The national channel is going. It's Fox News. I mean, it's Fox Sports that folded all the regional ones into Bali. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah, it's hard to keep up with all that, <laughs> all the changes that are happening. But you know, it, you would think that. They could come up with maybe when they find a new if if Mass unfolds and they find a new broadcast partner that they could maybe come up with some kind of streaming. I can't option. even think of, an, of another option if the, if it's not is so Fox Sports South isn't a thing anymore. I don't you think know? it is. No, I think it's, they got rid of that. It's all Bali. So like they would either have to do what the Astros did and create like their own network on AT and T. They have mm-hmm. like the AT and T Sportsnet or like CBS Sports or something like that. But the question would be like, is there that big of a demand? for Nats games where they can support by themselves. Like the Astros are in Houston right. and all of Texas in that area. So yeah, that would be I, the big question. It's almost like NBC Sports Washington is the only option. Cause I can't, yeah. I can't think of, I haven't had cable in a while, but I can't think of another option. No, I can't either. And it's the natural choice. I mean, that's where the caps play. That's where, you know, you see all the other 
regional sports. I mean, you know, local area. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But it does feel like Masson is on in a downward spiral. It's it, there's a whole lot of weirdness going on, and, and you just don't generally see this. And I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. But the question of where's FP as we're recording this at 10:51 on Monday night has not yet been answered. And I guess we'll know tomorrow if uh, nobody's even said if he's going to be if he's going to be broadcasting the game tomorrow. So yeah, strange strange stuff. Okay, so let's get back to actually talking some baseball, which is Friday night's game was John Lester's Nationals debut, uh, five scoreless innings, really as as good a debut as I think we could have hoped for, given his you know having not really pitched in a real game and the thyroid surgery and everything else he's been through this yeah so far yeah i mean like you said everything he has been through the fact that he was ramped up and stopped his final slash line was five innings five hits zero earned runs two walks one strikeout um he was giving up a lot of hard contact towards the end and there's some pretty decent defensive plays behind him to help him out doesn't matter because at the end of the day it's an out um, you would like to see him limit the hard contact, but I feel like with what his velocity is out now, he's going to give up hard contact. But if he can, if he can go out there every fifth day and give you five innings, five six innings, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect for the rotation, and that also helps out the, the bullpen. If he can keep doing that, it's fantastic. And this was a really encouraging start. The expectations were low, considering you know. Hey, you know, I'm ramped up. Oh, wait, I just got COVID. But yeah, he did really, really well. Yeah, I was happy with it. And he got no run support either. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is what they signed him to do, right? He, he's supposed to be eating innings. And obviously the uh, no runs allowed is just a great bonus to that and kept us in the game until Shore was able to walk it off. Um, but, you know, like Ryan said, there was uh some hard contact and some great defensive plays, which by the way, the Nets, who are they defensively? Because last year they were terrible and this year they're, they're great as far as defensive run saved goes. Um, but an out's an out and we'll, we'll take it. It was an encouraging start, like you guys said. So hopefully he, he can build on it now that he's hopefully finding some sort of a routine again after all the, the setbacks he experienced at the start of the season. Yeah. So the bottom part of the rotation has been a pleasant surprise. I mean, some bumpy starts earlier in the season, but everybody seems to be settling in a little bit now. I mean, Ross has been, Ross has been really, really good. If Lester can, if, if Lester can be what he was the other night, then, you know, that's really what we signed him for. He doesn't need to be a world beater at this point in his career. And Max, obviously looking like Max, we'll get to him in a minute. You know, if Strasburg can come back and be healthy, I don't know. I mean, maybe we, we talked a lot last week about how the starting pitching has not been, you know, this seems built on starting pitching and the, the level of starting pitching we were getting is not something that's sustainable. So this week was encouraging. Hopefully we're going to see the, the starters kind of settle into the season and be more like themselves. Mm-hmm. And Corbin too. Corbin had a good, had a good outing. Yeah, he did. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about Max who is just, the best. God, I love Max. I have I like run out of superlatives to describe how much I love Max Scherzer. The game was nearly a shutout. He gave up the leadoff homer. I think it was a leadoff or second batter um, in the ninth, which was the one run he gave up for the game, but went the full nine innings in two and a half hours and then went and had a baby like an hour later. His wife <laughs> had their baby. 
Yeah, I mean, when Max has a bad start, uh, his outing in Florida did not go very well. I think he gave up seven or eight runs. Uh-huh. Um, he came back, and he bounced back great. You know, the offense wasn't really there. Zen provided all of it on one swing, and he pitched great. This was the first time in his career where he got through six innings on less than 60 pitches. Max is always a high pitch count guy because he's always going to try to strike out people. Today, I mean, Sunday when he pitched, it looked like he was just pitching the contact. He he knew he was going up against a really bad lineup, and he didn't have to have his ace up. He didn't have to try to strike out every single person. And he almost he was on he was on watch for doing a complete game shutout and less than 100 pitches, which is very rare. But it was vintage Max, and just great seeing him come back after his horrible outing and going. You know what? We're getting this sweep. I got you in complete game. It was fantastic. It was. He also knew he was going up against a hard clock with the birth of his uh, third child. So he had, you know, I mean, it's typical Max Scherzer fashion to pitch the day his wife is in labor. And presumably she was in labor before the game even started and he still pitched. Um, But it's also cool to see that Max Scherzer is just so damn good that he can pull out this from his bag of tricks and pitch to contact. And yeah, it, it was a, a record setter, or at least a, a personal record uh, for him, you know, like Ryan said, getting through six innings on less than 60 pitches. And it was phenomenal pitching contact. It's also very weird to see a Max Scherzer line that's good and seeing less than double digit strikeouts. He had nine, which is just terrible, uh, com- completely unacceptable, but <laughs> it, it's super, you know, weird. He only is usually on a start like that. Nine strikeouts. What's wrong with him? Is he okay? Like (laughs) you'd expect, like fourteen or fifteen and nine innings from him. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he did this before his child was even born. Who who, know what's he gonna do? the next time his his child is born, hide. uh, They have another one. (laughs) It's funny, you know how many pitchers in Major League Baseball will never strike out nine people in one outing. Like a, a large and, number. And that's like a not a bad game, but that's like a meh yeah. <laughs> game for Max. It's like a good game, but you know, not yeah. not as bad. That was work. like um that was like the Grom start against the Red Sox. He went six innings and gave up a run and like struck out nine. And the Mets commentators like, wow, he does not have his stuff today at all. And that's like a career outing <laughs> for most people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, they have a di- Max and guys like that and Degrom. They have a different standard. <laughs> yep. All right, so speaking of um, really good performances, Bell finally rounding into form a little bit, at least had one really good game. He did. He um, had four RBIs. I think he went two for four, and they were opposite field hits. Like, he had doubles that were going the other way, and when a guy is taking the ball the other way, you know he is seeing it well. He's letting the ball travel. Like with Juan Soto, we know Juan Soto's at his best when he is taking the ball the other way and getting doubles. He was doing that, and it's fantastic to see. Um, he did set the very next day after he had his best game, which was really funny. I know as a lefty, and he played six straight games, but the timing of it was absolutely right. hilarious. He finally gets his timing, and then you sit him. <laughs> <laughs> for, for two straight days, because they have the off day on Monday. But no, this was very, very encouraging, especially with the fact that you're probably getting Juan Soda back relatively soon. Getting him going... Um, is huge. And the fact that he showed, hey, you know, look, I just have four RBI game it gives you hope because before you're basing it off of just like, well, the analytics say he should be doing better. 
Now you actually have hard evidence and saying, look what he's doing. He's seeing the ball better and he's taking great swings. Yeah. Um, quick note on that. Incredibly, incredibly frustrating that Davey sat him for two straight games mm-hmm. uh, after he found his, his or days or whatever, after he found his seemingly found his tempo or his timing or whatever. It just, it makes me so angry that you can't, you know, have a little common sense in that regard. So yeah, like it, we've talked so much about how his timing, he's got a complicated swing and the timing is so crucial. And he finally starts putting it together and, and then his timing you and you're like two days off. And even, <laughs> even worse when bell hits six, that one game, Davey said it wasn't necessarily a demotion or anything. He just wanted to put him down there so he could work through it and get to his timing. And then he finds it. And now he's not even hitting six. He's out of the lineup. Just, <laughs> it's so, so, so infuriating. But anyways, this is about Josh Bell and hopefully turning a corner. I'm happy for him. I did not want the Wrath of Shaq on him. Um, can we get an official update on the Wrath of Shaq? Is he granted? Did he buy himself more time? Yeah, is, he, is he granted another extension or are you, what are we looking at here? Um, he granted himself another extension just because okay, okay. I, I, I want him to be good so bad. Yeah, so me too. I'm going to catch him a break. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, the last time... Wrath of Shaq came down. Someone, uh, the Nats declined his option. Now he plays for the White Sox. So we, you don't want that happen to you. You're going to be out of a job real quick. Um, but Josh Bell, super, super, super needed based on how this lineup has been performing. And like Ryan said, with Juan Soto back, hopefully you can have that at the very least, you know, top half dominant lineup that you hoped you would have to uh, start the season. Yeah, and Chorber, I think, I guess we can just make sure he always plays when there's a walk-off potential, <laughs> because that oh, that guy just only hits bombs when they're walk-offs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which was, you know, a super cool ending to that game, which turned into a very unexpected pitcher stool. But anyways, um, okay, let's move on from Nat's bat. And before we do our Braves series preview, Nick, could you give us a word from our sponsor? Absolutely. Since... The Nats had their first sweep in quite some time. I decided to uh, use my lawnmower 3.0 and go clean sweep as well. And you guys can do that too. Go to Manscaped. Go find their lawnmower 3.0. Crazy, crazy great invention. Game changer with not only a flashlight but an ergonomic design and a quiet stroke blade. It is your best friend for your male grooming needs. And Half Street High Heat can help you achieve those goals go to manscaped use our promo code hshh20 for 20 percent off and free shipping on the lawnmower 3.0 or any other formulas products whatever you like you can use it all on uh on us using wow i completely messed that up i, I was watching a play in the game you can use our <laughs> promo code. You can use our promo code on all our products. Don't use all the products on us. That probably came off very, very weird. But twenty percent off and free shipping. There's no excuse not to do it. It's a great deal, and there's even certain deals where they throw in free stuff. And who doesn't love free stuff? So go to Manscaped. Use our promo code today. All right. Thank you very much. That is good advice. All right. Let's talk Braves. Next series coming up is um, against Atlanta. Um, what do we think are advantages, disadvantages? What do you see for 
for this series. The Braves are definitely underperforming at the moment. Yeah, so emphasis on the underperforming. They're currently 12 and 16. They're not good right now. Um, when you look at it, they are 11th in offensive rating. They're 16th in defensive rating. They're 28th in starting pitching ERA. They're 23rd in bullpen ERA. They're not good, right? Like they're just not a good baseball team right now. They're struggling defensively. They're struggling offensively. They're very inconsistent. Their pitching is not doing very well. And their defense, like I said earlier, they have 17 guys on the IL. This is a very, very beaten down version of the Braves. Um, Their rotation isn't at all what they thought it was going to be after they expanded it and, excuse me, improved it in the season, their bullpen is very, very bad right now. If you pointed at the Braves and said, this is their one weakness right now, it's the bullpen. The thing is, so is their starting rotation, but their bullpen is especially bad. So the Nats should have an advantage in the pitching aspect. Right now, they have not announced their pitchers, um, but Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, and John Lester are pitching for the Nationals. The Braves have not announced it yet soon. Hopefully they do so we know those matchups. But, yeah, I mean, this is just a game when you're looking at how the Braves are playing right now. You just look at this and be like, this is a series and that should take two or three from. You know the Braves are scrambling, but the Braves are scrambling. You know they're going to come out and they're going to play the Nats well like they always do because they Mm -hmm. see this pitching a lot and the Nats strength is pitching. They see this pitching a lot. They know how to approach them. It's going to be a fun series. This is a series the Nats absolutely need to win and absolutely should win. Question is, will they? Yeah, the, the last time I uh, flirted with the idea of Nats catching the Braves at a good time, I'm pretty sure we got swept. Didn't they get swept earlier in the season? Yeah, the so Braves? let's not let's not. Yeah, so I'm not going to you know make that same <laughs> mistake twice. But it does seem like a good opportunity for the Nats to uh, win some games. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, I, I thought I saw somewhere that it was Enoa freed and someone else, but I guess if they haven't confirmed it, they haven't confirmed it. Um, yeah, their website right now has it as TBD, TBD, TBD. So. Yeah. Same thing on the MLB app. So uh, until it's official, you know, you can do all the speculation you want. Um, you know, th- this is really, like I said earlier, what this, you know, past weekend against the Marlins was gearing you up for you had to get right for this for the um you know during the marlin series so that you could be right and you didn't need any you know time to to get going when you played the braves because you're more than likely going to have to beat the braves to win the division if if and when they they get back on track they're not going to struggle forever it's a very good and very deep ball ball club and you know they're going to you know, make moves at the deadline because every year it's like, oh, well, are the Braves here? Last year they were one game away from the World Series and then blew a 3-1 lead. So you know they're going to make moves and try to get over the hump at some point, so you really need to take advantage and kick them while they're down if they even are down at this point. You need to build a cushion in May like we talked about and really assert assert yourself that you are a good team and you don't necessarily rely on Juan Soto to be a, you know, a competitor like most teams view you as. 
Yeah, like your Juan Soto and gang, you know, you just prove right. that you can. And I, which you know, we the, are, but right, the of course, good is what we're but you to have to be able to win without one guy. Yeah, you know, and I feel we all know that the division runs through Atlanta this year. I mean, I, I think we all picked them to win the division, and you know, I, they're underperforming without a doubt right now. But you know, they're not going to keep doing that. So if you have to play these guys nineteen times this year, you need to take some of these games where they're not at the peak of their strength. And you also are going to need to beat them when they are, but you know that's that's another that's another story because we're not at peak strength right now either. But right now, when they're they're as beaten down as they are, you have to. I I really feel like they need to take two out of three in this series mm. to have it be have it be successful for them. If if you if you only win um, one of these when they're this beaten down, I think you're you're sending a pretty bad signal. And you know, hopefully we get Soto back at some point really soon. But I don't know if it's going to be during this series. The Braves are getting Max Fried freed back, um, and he's starting on Wednesday. David O'Brien tweeted that out one day ago, so okay. they are getting one of their guys back who's supposed to be their ace. Um, so, yeah, they are getting one guy back. It's going to be one tough pitching matchup, but like you said, Amanda, this is a series. When you look at on paper, you're like, they kind of should take two of three. Yeah, if you lose the one to Max Freed, fine. <laughs> You know, sometimes like the one that we, we, we played against a Grom, sometimes you just tip your cap and say, okay, you know, sometimes you just can't get, you can't hit a pitcher, but if that's that day, then fine. But they've, they've got to make, they've got to make a decent showing. And I feel like two out of three is, is a decent showing given the, the relative strength of the two teams right now. Could you say, uh, was our third guy, it's Ross Fetty Lester. Is Corbin not Correct. pitching in this series? No, uh, hmm. Lester's announced for Thursday. Okay. Well, I mean, Ross has been great. Fetty's been pretty decent. And Lester's coming off a good start, so hopefully, you know, everyone keeps it going for them. I don't know if, you know, we're talking advantages and, and disadvantages for the series. I don't know that the Nats have any, have any advantage because, Amanda, like you said, they're not at full strength either. So mm-hmm. it's hard to have an advantage. Not by a when, stretch. No, both teams are, are less than 100%. So it's just a matter of going out there and doing the damn thing and hopefully taking at least two of three in the series, if not a clean sweep, and trying to uh, really push the Braves down in the standings and subsequently. And build that cushion we keep talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say if we have one advantage, I guess if I have to pick one, it would be that the Nats love giving run support to the lesser pitchers in their rotation and none to the stars. So since we have our three lesser pitchers going, maybe that means that the offense is going to be respectable. Um, well, hold my breath. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Okay. So we just said we need them to take two out of three. What's your prediction? Which of the, which of the three do they win and which do they lose? Uh, I was going to say, I think they lose the freed game, but if the Nats have taught me anything, it's like they, they'll they probably the end up winning the freed game and losing the game they should win, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that means they lose either the first or third or they lose both the first and third that they should win if Freed's going the second game. Uh, I'll say two of three. I, I think at the very least the Nats are coming off their best stretch of baseball during this young season, so hopefully they keep that going. Um, hopefully everyone took advantage of the off day today and they come rested and ready tomorrow. It seems like it's been forever since Ross pitched. So I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about that because he had finally found his groove 
So hopefully, you know, it doesn't affect him too much and he can be the next. Yeah, six game. days rest. Is that how it worked out? I'd have to go it back it seems it. like a lot more. Yeah, it is. It is six day rest. They said they're going to do that with um, more often throughout the season, just to be a little careful with him since he opted out last year. Okay. So he's going to have to get used to pitching on six days rest because they're going to do it to him quite a bit this year. So, yeah, definitely, you know, he's going to need to get used to it if there's uh, yeah, But one extra day doesn't count. seem that bad. It, it's all about routines with these starting pitchers because, you know, you have, you know, the day after is your recovery day. And then um, depending on how you're feeling that second day, usually it's a bullpen day. Um, and then, you know, either the second or third day is your bullpen day. And then fourth day is obviously the day before you're, you're pitching. So you're, you're going to be pretty late that day. So, yeah, in theory, it doesn't add too much, but – if it messes with his routine and a young guy like Joe Ross, maybe he doesn't have an established routine. I mean, for, for Christ's sakes, this is like the longest stretch. He's not that young anymore, is he? But, (laughs) you know, in baseball years he is because he's been back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen. So not even in base, not even in baseball years in starting pitching years, he's pretty young and might not have an established, you know, go-to routine for him that works. He's finally pitching well. So, if he's going to get need to get used to a six day, you know, schedule for him, he's got to figure out what works. So hopefully he has something in place for tomorrow's start. If not, it might be a little rocky. Well, let's hope he comes out and continues his good performances. What's your prediction, Ryan? Yeah. So since I said that they should take two or three, that probably means they're going to get swept. Um, Just because that's just how baseball rolls. Cause baseball is absolutely stupid. Um, no, like I, I, I think, I think they went two to three. Um, I, th- I'm going bold prediction. I think Eric Fetty wins on Wednesday. You heard it here first. Again, um, Max Freed. Yes. You, I said bold, baby. You heard it here okay. first. Eric Fetty's going to win on Wednesday. Um, I think they lose Joe Ross's start and then they win in John Lester's and take two of three. Yeah, that's, that's my prediction. Hopefully I'm right two weeks in a row because I said four one last week. I probably won't well, be. Well, then, just... would you like to just go ahead and predict a sweep for the Nats then? <laughs> hey, look, look. If you have I, that kind of magic, let's keep it going. I want to be a little realistic. I don't think a sweep's going to happen. <laughs> but, yeah, like, let's just, just keep playing good baseball. Your pitching is helping your offense while mm-hmm. it's starting to figure itself out. Your pitching is going to keep this team afloat. Let's just try to win this series, take two or three before Soto comes back and see where you are. I'm excited. This is a good. This is gonna be a fun series. It is. I always love actually when with the Braves and Nats play because they're always fun. And the Braves, you know, I don't know exactly how or why, but the Braves definitely feel like the biggest division rival. I mean, obviously, there's other good rivalries. Oh no, they they definitely are. It's because both teams have been good at the same time for a while. No other team in the division's been good. Well, except for the Mets in '15 when the Nats were. Like they're definitely yeah, but not rival. but not in a sustained way. Yeah, like the Braves were so good for so long, and now the Nats have had this this long run of sustained, you know, good performances since 2012. So I do think it makes for a great rivalry. I always enjoy these series. I think I'm going to predict they win one out of three, although I think they need to win two out of three. I don't know which one. I'll say they win. I'm going to go. I say they win one out of three. Wow. I think think the Braves use this as a get right against the Nats. I hope I'm wrong. I know. Like, that's a thing. I can see this team coming out fighting hard and, you know, I feel a little nervous, 
because the Braves are beat down and they're going to feel like they need to come out and get right. I just want to, I just want to point out that I was more optimistic than Amanda for once. I know. I know. <laughs> what is this? It's topsy turvy world. We're, it's opposite day. Okay. Last thing on the agenda for this episode is our one big thing. What do you guys got? Actually, I'm actually sitting here thinking about my one big thing is just like, I feel like this April has been more exciting than the past Aprils before. Um, just like with the storylines, like Corbin Burns doing his thing, the Dodgers and Padres doing their thing. Otani is healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Grom being as dominant as ever. Like there's so many good storylines in baseball right now. And I really hope it keeps up through the entire year. Cause like, you know, there's times when like, there's not really much going on and you're like, all right, come on, let's like get to September. It's just where, the grind. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just, I don't know, like players actually showed emotion and cared for April baseball. So I really hope they keep it up because this was a really fun month across the league. And I really hope that stays like that through the entire season. Yeah. And to piggyback off that, uh, I don't remember what baseball reporter tweeted it, but it was sometime over the past week where it was the, uh, you know, tentative opening day had the season be been delayed a month like the MLB wanted. Um, and, you you know, they just highlighted everything like Ryan just did that happened in the past month that we would have missed out on, like the no hitters and, and, you know, the crazy performances and crazy games and Dodgers, Padres and, and all that stuff. And I agree, it has been a seemingly exciting and uh, better than normal month of April because usually mm-hmm. you have the the opening day is obviously a big deal and the opening series, but then it kind of really tails off until you know kind of mid May once teams have a lot of games under the belt and you're kind of starting to see some some separation and established you know standings. Um, but we this year it seems like you know you're you're kind of tuning in if not every day every other day and kind of keeping up with what's going on. on uh, going on around uh, the league and with your team and whatnot. So definitely agree with that. My one big thing is actually, I mean, not that big, but um, the Thursday game on uh, for the Nats and Braves is uh, streaming free on YouTube. So if you don't normally get to watch the games, you can watch it for free on YouTube on Thursday, 4.05 start. Nice. All right, my one big thing is minor league baseball starts tomorrow. I actually love minor league baseball. Um, we take it when my boys were little, or we take them to. Um, yeah, it's better when you can go to the games. Yeah, we take them to the Keys games um, back a long time ago, before the Nats were even around. And um, anyway, I love minor league baseball. They didn't have any season at all last year. I'm sure the excitement among the players is huge. Um, just go, go find your closest minor league ballpark if you've got one anywhere within a reasonable distance and check it out. You get a lot closer. It's a lot cheaper. Um, you get to see some of the, you know, big league players making their rehab start sometimes, which is a lot of fun. Um, we actually have some college summer ball right in Winchester, the Winchester Royals. And uh, one of my clients actually um, owns the Percival Cannons down in Loudoun County. And they're coming out here. So I'm taking my whole crew, all my little people to uh, see a baseball game, the Cannons and the Royals on June I think it's the 8th. Anyway, super excited about it. Minor League Baseball is awesome. Get out there and support it. That's my one big thing. All right, we got anything else before we get out of here? Uh, 
is Shaq posting an article this week? Oh yeah, um, Shaq is posting an article this week. Stay tuned. Will it be controversial? I don't know. <laughs> Find out on next week's episode. Wow, Shaq is talking about some, himself in the third person. <laughs> some of uh, the proposed headlines for Shaq are pretty funny. So <laughs> if that's you know inevitably what Shaq decides to go with for Shaq's article, uh, it's going to be pretty pretty. Uh, uh, yes, well, that's a good way to plug the the website, though. So tell everybody to get out there and read the stuff out there. <laughs> Now that's your job. I'll let you tell them. All right. Well, there's a pitching analysis article out um, that just was posted today on the Miami Marlins series. That's a lot of fun. Always the episodes are out there if you want to listen to them that way. Um, the Blue Jay series analysis is there as well. Also some uh, stuff about Josh Bell, I remember, from late April. If you haven't caught up, there is so much good content out there. Tons of good articles, everything. Um, we get series previews, series wrap-ups, analysis of the pitching you don't want to miss it. All right. I think we are all set. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We appreciate you very much. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you always know when we post our new episodes. Check us out on Twitter at Half Street High Heat and at the website at halfstreethighheat.com. Y'all have a good couple of days. Talk to you soon. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play, we're gonna win today Let's go A 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. 
ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.